Coming up on Chasing the Natty, there are many times in drafts where one player in a room is valued much higher than the others in that room, and one of the key things you can learn as a fantasy player is to zag when others are zigging. And to help us out with that, we have Mitch Hart, the 2005 CFF National Championship winner, on to, dis to discuss 10 situations where it might be better to grab the guy in a room going later in that draft than the other more expensive option. All this and more coming right after this. Caleb Williams dancing, cutting, mesmerizing run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison, junior touchdown. Marvelous Mar. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in, everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday morning at 7 a.m. If you want to support the great work that we are doing over here for College Fantasy, head on over to campusofcanton.com and subscribe there with one of our awesome three different tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, and C2C needs, including rankings, articles, tools, and so much more than that. You can also support us by going over to our YouTube channel and subscribing and interacting with us over there, or by leaving our five-star reviews wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. All right, now that I got all of the spiel, all of that busy work out of the way here first, y'all, welcome to Chasing Natty. We got an awesome show for you guys here today. I'm bringing on a man that has been great every time I have brought him on. He really does bring a very unique way of looking at CFF. I think he's been doing it longer than I have been alive, and he is darn good at it, so I make sure to bring him on as often as I can. It is Mr. Mitch Hart. Mitch, how are you doing today, sir? Man, every day is a great day to be Mitch. You know that, babe. Yes, sir. So again, we got an awesome show for you, for you guys here today. We're going to be discussing a lot of situations, a lot of rooms out there where, quite frankly, one guy is being very valued very highly compared to all of the others. So they are the zig. We're going to talk about when you should zag, when you should probably go after a guy that is going off later in the drafts, but is coming at a much better value considering the likelihood of that person might be the better player for that room at the end of the year. So this has a lot to do with Mitch um, kind of also handcuffing as well. Because a lot of times people will look at these rooms and you're, you'll think to yourself like, all right, do I grab the guy who's going very highly and then maybe later try to grab somebody in that same room so that I make sure I lock down that room? That sounds great, but that also means that one room is now taking up two spots on your roster. So how do you kind of view that, Mitch? Are you somebody who handcuffs a lot or are you somebody who will kind of try to shoot for your guy and then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So uh, handcuffing to me is only a strategy I employ during best ball. 
if there are two guys in best ball and you can get a guy in the seventh and a guy in the 17th, then it might be a strategy. But I've never been a guy in redraft or dynasty leagues who says, well, to get this right, I'm going to take two guys. There are a lot of old adages. If you got two quarterbacks, you ain't got one. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very similar to your fantasy team. One of the worst things you can have is both of the average backs for Coastal Carolina. It's just one of those things where you, you can have a guy who might be a starter in that week six when no one else is playing, but mm -hmm. who wants that on their team? That's not the way to win. Um, a cool thing about zagging that I like that I've, I've done years and years ago is I watched it happen to me a couple of times. One of the most famous times was when Adrian Peterson was a freshman at Oklahoma. Yes, uh, I took the running back of choice who was returning and the guy who eventually won the league took Adrian Peterson about 13 rounds later. And when I looked at my list, I thought, oh, he's highly touted. But uh, yeah, I have the guy. I have the guy. Mm -hmm. No, sometimes you don't have the guy. Um, you know, one of the guys that didn't make the cut are two, uh, someone you like, and I like Dre McRae. Yep. Dre McRae is going later than uh, Jared Brandley, uh, Bradley. And that could have been a guy that was on our list. It's a guy that I think you could back off of and get something fun. So that's an honorable mention to the show. I will say, again, we don't have to talk too deep about Texas Tech and everything. We could have gone even further. Miles Price is going later than both of those guys. And that you're talking about a post-type sleeper right there. Again, we all got yep. burned by him last year, but he's still a starter for Texas he Tech is. this year. Like he is, like, a lot of what happened to him last year was injury-based. And Dre McRae, the kind of the knock on him right now is that it looks like for as much as they talked about him during the spring – like, Phil Steele comes out, he's not one of the starters for Texas Tech on Phil Steele's stuff. A lot of the beat writers are kind of hinting that, that maybe he's not working his way quite into the ones as consistently as we thought he might be. And so that's why he's kind of fallen a little bit compared to where he was going even a couple months ago. Because Trey McRae used to be the guy for Texas Tech we were all drafting. That's definitely changed in the last couple of months here. But consistent through all of that is that Miles Price is going way later than all of those guys. And Again, if you want to just go and grab a guy that you know is going to be a starter and you know is going to be in the slot for Zach Kittley, maybe take a shot on Miles Price. Um, anyway, yep. we're we're getting off topic here, man. Again, we could have we could have. You're one hundred percent right. That could have been a room we talked about here, but we narrowed it down to ten rooms here today. We're going to talk about three quarterback situations, three running backs, three wide receivers, and yes, we are going to throw in one tight end situation here because it is a pretty interesting tight end situation. It is one of our favorite tight end spots in the country, so. We will definitely look at it. Again, Mitch, to kind of go further, you were, you were talking about Adrian Peterson. You are talking about um, what happened there his freshman year. Just a couple of scenarios in the last couple of years that I think people need to kind of take a look at in terms of when zagging worked out for people. Even though, again, we as CFF experts, we do a ton of research. We are very confident in our projections. We're very confident in our rankings. We do a lot of work to make sure we try to get them as right as we can. But there is a level of, I don't want to say bias, but like a little bit of an echo chamber sometimes where we talk to each other, we talk about the same guys, we all like, we all read the same things. And so we all kind of build the same guy up. But when people are willing to kind of step out and take a guy later on that they truly do believe in, it has worked out just last year. I was a big fan of Justin Lockhart. I pushed him big time. That failed miserably because Elijah Cook's turned out to be the better receiver. I was off him because of his injury history, but he stayed healthy and he finishes the wide receiver 13 last year. Another one, Jared Dagey and Austin Reed last year. It's great example. Uh, I kept saying, 
I hate Deggy. I hate Deggy. I think he stinks. I think he stinks. And a couple of your buddies came in with Austin Reed, Austin Reed. And I would look at those drafts and Deggy would go in the fifth round. And then about the 16th round, the savvy owner picked Reed. And I assume many of those people won the league. It, it, it was even later than that, dude. Like people, they would just wait until like the 30th round of the best ball. And they're like, hey, nobody else is going after him. So I'll just wait and grab him here. And I kicked myself because I agreed with so many of them. I'm like, yeah, Austin Reed feels like the better fit here. And but the way the coaches were talking about it is under like it was Diggy's job. All the insiders were kind of saying it was Diggy's job. And then boom, one one weekend in August, it was Diggy's in the portal, reads your starter. I'm like, well, don't I have egg on my face? Another example, this is another one that was early on in the season. It kind of changed as it got closer to the season. Tory Horton kind of rose up a lot of draft boards near the end when it became clear that the other guy wasn't doing very well. But early on, people were drafting the hell out of Dante Wright when Jay Norvell yes. and that team went over there. And a lot of people said, hey, maybe we go after the guy who's coming with him, Tory Horton, who's coming over from Nevada. The people who drafted Tory Horton got themselves, a, I think, a wide receiver three um, versus people who got Dante Wright. Dante Wright never played a snap for colorado state last year so and then another one from two years ago jamison williams over john mechie man i remember that that offseason was huge with everybody trying to be like all right who are we going after with the alabama wide receiver room a lot of people went with mechie because again he's the he's the veteran he's kind of the safer pick but some people said hey jamison williams came from a very talented wide receiver room and quite frankly maybe one of the most talented ever one of the most talented wide receiver rooms ever and now he's going to alabama he might be better than everybody there. And so they took a shot on him. And guess what? They got themselves a top 10 wide receiver out of that. So again, just a couple of examples. Like, obviously, not every time this is going to work out. There's going to be bust picks all the time, especially when you're picking later. It comes with picking later in a draft. You are you're taking much more risk with a lot of your picks there. But if you can kind of learn how to read some situations, learn to see where the value might be ending up there, I think that there's plenty that you can work with there. So Mitch, do you have any more kind of thoughts on this before we start getting into some of these rooms? Well, last thing with zagging, it almost never costs you much. So when you invest a, a pick like that, we'll discuss it here in a minute, it doesn't cost you a whole lot. So what you're essentially doing is giving up maybe a consistent bench wide receiver, running back or quarterback for someone with a super high upside. Again, Austin Reed in the 30th round, if we were wrong and Deggy started, you just drop him week one for a, a hot pickup. You get, there's, there's not a lot wrong with zagging, except you'll have holes on your bench that you'll have to fill. It's, yeah. it's the only downside. Yeah, and, it, and if it's in a best ball league where you don't have those transactions, like, oh no, you burned a 30th round pick. Like, you're, exactly. it, it's much better to burn a 30th round pick than it is to draft uh, Travion Henderson last year in the first round. And then you're, you're stuck with that. And we so, may speak about him in a minute. We most certainly will. But let's go ahead and start with some of these quarterbacks, Mitch. Let's get on over to our graphics here. So it's going to be, there's going to be three options with each of these guys, Mitch. It is going to be Zig, Zag, or both. I guess we'll call it Zoop. Zig, Zag, Zoop. Is that the, is that the third one here? All right. We'll be Zooping. If you Zoop, it means that it is worth it in a, I was, I'm going to say a redraft league. It is worth it to grab both of these guys. If, so we'll come across some of these situations, Mitch, where you might think like this room could be so good for CFF. It is worth it to try to have both these guys on your roster to start the year, and then you drop the guy who loses. 
So first one we'll start with here. This is a room we've kind of already talked about a couple of times on the show, but it is, quite frankly, one of the more interesting places to be right now in CFF with G.J. Kinney head coaching there and then bringing in two quarterbacks out of the transfer portal. You got Malik Hornsby, who is the zig in this case, and then you have T.J. Finley, who is the zag. Malik Hornsby got an ADP of 113.2, so you're looking at right about the ninth, 10th round right now, and he is the 26th QB coming off the board versus T.J. Finley coming in after the spring. Undrafted, QB 55-plus. He's somewhere deep down people's lists here. So, Mitch, zig or zag here, man? Are you going to go with the flow, take the shot on Hornsby, or are you going to zag later on and hope that maybe TJ Finley, there's a reason why they brought him in yeah. here at the 11th well, okay, round? Okay, first, there are some really good people at this who uh, got me hot on Hornsby. Uh, I watched him last year, had a cup of coffee with Arkansas. He's really fast, so we all like our dual-threat quarterbacks. I think this is an exciting one because it also adds Big Fish Small Pond, which you know is some of my jam. Both of these guys yes, are from SEC. Um, what I don't like about Hornsby is that he doesn't throw well. And being a um, being tutored under a QB like G.J. Kinney, it worries me that his career pass percentage is under 50%. Uh, Hornsby went in the seventh round in our league that we're both in right now, and I just think that's still uh, way too early. Um, For Finley, I think sometimes having a starter like this on your bench, especially in deep leagues, could be valuable to the guy who drafts Hornsby because I actually feel Finley's uh, upside is not that great either. So I'm going to zag on this one um, with Finley, mostly because I fear that Hornsby just can't throw. Yeah, so I think people have kind of misconstrued my opinion on this quarterback situation here. Like some people have called me like on like hashtag team Finley. I'm not hashtag team Finley because I agree with you. I don't think his upside is nearly as good. I had this idea in my mind though, for a minute that he was a dual threat quarterback. I went back and looked at the stats. I'm like, uh, no, never mind. I don't know where I got that idea from, but I do think we can both agree that while Finley is not a great quarterback, I think he's still a better passer than Malik Hornsby. And with GJ Kinney, at least if you look at the system he ran at Incarnate Word for the year that he did, you need to be a, you need to be at least halfway decent at passing. And it does worry me they brought him in after the spring, after they got a good look at Malik Hornsby. It'd be one thing if he was just any old quarterback, but he, this is a quarterback that did start for two SEC programs. Again, not exact. Again, I'm not going to pretend like he did great in those starts, but you know he's got a lot of good experience here. Um, the big thing I'm kind of worried about here more than anything else is I'm not sure this is a situation that is going to be great for CFF in year one. Again, we love what he did in year one at Incarnate Word, but people don't realize how bad Texas State was left in because of Jake Spavadol and what was going on there. Mitch, I'm going to ask you, how many freshmen do you think Texas State landed and recruited in the 2021 and 2022 recruiting classes? Total. Uh, ooh. 22 11 half that 11 they had six commits in 2021 and five they went full transfer portal for two years and it completely blew up in their faces Bavidal left town got the offensive coordinator position back at california and just left this place in a complete mess i'm not sure that 
Kenny's going to be able to get this up and running in year one. But at the end of the day, I think I'm still going to lean Zach. If you're going to draft one of these guys, I still think it's okay to draft Hornsby. I don't think you're getting a massive deal with Finley way later on unless they just go absolutely bananas in the passing game and Finley's a better passing QB in the Sun Belt than we ever saw in the SEC. The upside is still with Hornsby, so I think I'm still okay with people spending up for him. I will say do not, and I repeat, do not draft him as the first or second quarterback for your team. You are asking for trouble at that point. Once you're on your bench, that's where you go for the upside. That's where you go for guys that, hey, if they work out, that's awesome. If they don't, hey, they were a bench guy anyway, I can move on and I can try to grab whatever hot waiver wire pickup is going on there. So any more thoughts on this one, Mitch, or can we go ahead? Well, again, he went in the top 100 of our league this week. So I don't think word is out that Hornsby's stock is down enough. Um, He's just not worth seventh round pick, in my opinion. He's just not. If you're going to take him in the seventh round, you better have two quarterbacks already on your roster, in which case, I mean, you're 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 asking for a lot of trouble drafting three quarterbacks that early. Again, ADP for this month has him at like right around the ninth round. So obviously he got taken earlier in our league that we're in right now, Mitch. But other leagues, I've seen him, I've seen him fall to like the 10th, 11th round. So. And I think that's at, at least a little more value, yeah. I guess. Yeah. All right. I'm going to zag and go Finley. I mean, I'm not full Finley, but I, if I'm drafting either, I'm drafting Finley in the last round. Maybe yeah. the new coach comes in, catches fire, they throw some dinks and dunks, and he has something. I'm gonna go that way. Or it's the worst case scenario where both of them are where both of them are rotating week on a week by week basis because neither mm. one of them can get it going, and then we yeah, all we cry. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to another. I almost said G. I almost said almost another G five program here, but no, Houston's in the Power Five now. But this is a quarterback competition. I don't think we've really discussed enough as a CFF community the last couple of months. We have Donovan Smith, the transfer from Texas Tech. He's currently going as a QB twenty nine, going right around the middle of the tenth round right now in ADP. And then you also have Lucas Coley, a three-star true sophomore. Um, actually, no, never mind. He is a, actually a redshirt freshman. He didn't play four games last year. Uh, he is a redshirt freshman quarterback. Um, he is the experienced one in Dana Holgerson's offense right now. And last we heard from this coaching staff and Dana Holgerson's mouth as himself, they were about 50-50 in spring ball. They are going to push this competition into the fall. And the most unfortunate thing is that we did not get a spring game. Spring game. For Houston. We didn't get to lay eyes on these guys ourselves. So to me, I have not drafted any of Donovan Smith this year. I have thought about it before, but I've always kind of convinced myself just enough not to take him. And as we get closer and closer to the season, I am more and more glad that I haven't yet. And again, maybe the fall camp reports come out. He's looking good. He's pulling away. That's awesome. But for right now, in the values right now, to me, it makes sense to just kind of let somebody else take Donovan Smith and then take the late, late shot on Lucas Coley because ain't nobody thinking about Lucas Coley right now. So Mitch, your thoughts here on the Cougars quarterback competition here. What's going on, man? Well, okay, so, you know, while we were on the subject of quarterbacks with that are limited in the passing game, we'll discuss Donovan Smith a little bit. Uh, yards per attempt, really low for Tech. Uh, three to two TD to interception ratio isn't 
what we're looking for. So obviously he is not a solid passer. I was on Donovan Smith a little bit last year because of his legs, but in those games where he, he found success, it was almost all just throwing three yard passes and hoping your wide receiver does something. Yep. You know, um, Lucas Coley doesn't have a bad pedigree. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like he's, he's a total buster. He sat beside behind a good quarterback. So, you know, I think he has a very good chance of winning this and that offense uh, with Holgerson has produced year in year out. Yep. Um, so on this one, you know, even with Smith's ADP dropping a little bit, I'm sticking with the zag. I, I think picking Coley late, especially in deep leagues will uh, is a good pick. And I'm going to call this big fish and smaller pond. Cause again, Houston's not the small pond it used to be, but it, it you know, it isn't tech. It isn't, you know, going to Arkansas or what have you. So nah, I mean, uh, I'm going to go Coley on this one. And I actually think it's again, it's because he can throw a little better. So let me, tell you some of the guys to kind of hammer the point home a little bit here mitch of some of the guys going around donovan smith so people can have a good idea of like all right where is donovan smith actually going off because you could tell me 10th round all day long but what other quarterbacks are in that range ahead of donovan smith as a qb 28 got mitch griffiths wake forest i'll take him over donovan smith all day davis brin quarterback out of georgia southern it's not quite as settled as we want it to be but i'm fairly certain that he will be the quarterback at georgia southern and he, quite frankly, has more passing volume upside than Donovan Smith would as a Houston QB. Shador Sanders comes af- comes off Donovan Smith af- after him. And we're Much like safer. QB 30 round. And I have been, I have, um, been hesitant on Shador Sanders. But quite frankly, like out of those two guys, like... I think I kind of understand the risk with Shador Sanders just a little bit more because, again, it's Deion's son. Deion's going to make sure his son gets plenty of touchdowns. They are going to have to pass the ball a ton. It is Sean Well, I was going to say, with, I'm, I'm a CU guy, so I'm, sit, I'm sitting here in Folsom Field with my buff shirt on. Uh, every week when you watch the buffs uh, for fantasy, you got to watch that fourth quarter. Uh, Sanders is going to get a lot of fourth quarter points. Oh yeah. Um, so he's much safer than Donovan Smith. Much and then safer. you got Grayson McCall, Jaden Delora coming off after Donovan Smith. Like we're putting Donovan Smith into a tier of a bunch of guys that pretty much already have their jobs locked up for, I mean, I kind of get it because Clayton Toon was the QB two last year, but Dana Holderson hasn't produced the QB two every single year. He's produced a really good CFF QB. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like, I don't know, it feels like we're putting him on too high of a pedigree without really thinking about where or like without thinking about how likely is he actually going to win that job. He has the experience. Coley doesn't. But the fact that it's this close tells me that there is a little bit more going on there than meets the eye. Yeah, I have a buddy who's knows his friend has a son that plays for U of H um, and they like Coley. So Kid's supposed to be really good in the clubhouse, so I don't know. I think there's a lot of smoke there. And again, for the draft capital that Smith costs, you got to zag on this. One other thing I'm going to point out here is, again, kind of like the Texas State situation here, is this going to matter as much on who wins this quarterback competition? Because, again, they're moving up to the Big 12, and Houston and Dana Holgerson have performed well against Big 12 competition in the past when they play out of conference, so you might say that. But at the same time, that was with a fourth-year QB, 
a third and fourth year QB. Like Clayton Toon started a bajillion years for the for the Cougars, and even still, this year you're going in with a guy that has never started a game for the Cougars before. That might actually be points in Donovan Smith's favor because like, hey, he he started a game before for um in the Big Twelve, so maybe they go with him for that. But at the same time, well, I feel like Houston might be scoring less points that- this year. One reason that I think it is a key fantasy spot, though, still is when McCaskill came to the Buffs, they are going to have to throw just a touch more. They True. don't really have a great running game uh, with the guys that are intact. And I mean, I have some of that, and I can admit that Stacy Sneed and company um, are subpar. Yeah. So I do think they're going to have to throw. I actually do think they're going to be behind a little more. So I think the game script helps the passing quarterback in this again so i don't know i'm i'm zagging and i'm not it's not an enthusiastic zag but again depending on how deep your team or your league is picking coley is much smarter picking him in the last round than picking smith as early as he's going and i'll tell you guys this much right now coley in dynasty leagues right now in supplemental drafts, I can guarantee you that he is more than likely available for that. So you could end up with a multi-year starter there in your supplemental. So keep an eye out for them. And now I'm kicking myself because I did not draft him in our dynasty league. So <laughs> we will definitely see. Let's go ahead and move on to our third quarterback situation here. This one is not nearly as big of a difference as the other two. But I did want to kind of talk about this quarterback situation here because i've seen people drafting chandler rogers the now quarterback at north texas kind of later on in drafts here and i just want to put i want to put my foot down here a little bit and say that like we're drafting the wrong guy here if you're gonna go after eric morris's offense here and you want the guy who could potentially be a cff monster here with his passing game you got to go with Jace Reuter. So you zig here, Chandler Rogers, zag, Jace Reuter. A lot of this comes down to the fact that I really don't think Chandler Rogers is that good of quarterback. Again, last year, um, last year with the Warhawks, you had him at about 2,400 yards, 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So the touchdown to interception ratio, just not great right there. But I really just don't think they had any better option. He has the legs. That's probably the biggest selling point on Rodgers. That's probably why they are giving him a chance because he can probably get out of some situations that you know a guy like Jace Reuter, who isn't as mobile as Rodgers, uh, could g- get it to. But here's the problem. In the spring scrimmages that we were able to get plenty of reporting on, by the way, so good, good job by the North Texas uh, beat writers on this for getting us plenty of information. Dude, Rodgers stank. Dude, he sucked so bad. First scrimmage. Both both times, by the way, he was the first QB out there. So points in his favor on that. But first scrimmage. Five for nine for 24 yards. And a, and a little bit of run and a little bit of on the ground as well. But again, passing wise, he's awful. And then he followed it up the next week. You ready for this one? Two for five for eight yards. And this time, this time, he threw an interception. All right. So helping out the defense. He is he has been awful. When so it comes... what are, where are these Jace Rudder stats? Is he lighting it up? Yes, sir. Let's look at this. We got um well again, the first scrimmage here, three for five, ninety-three yards, two touchdowns. Second second scrimmage, twelve for seventeen, 143 yards and a touchdown. 
He just straight Those up stats he, seem better. He just straight up outperforms Rodgers. The big thing is the fact that he doesn't have the mobility that Rodgers does, and that might be a selling point for. Oh, I just knocked off a whole bunch of papers. Um, that might be a selling point for the staff and everything, but it's Eric Morris's system. You typically have to be able to pass in this system. I mean, we we saw him try with Cameron Ward last year in the deep ball. That didn't really work out too well. But even still, you would think that if they are going to run that similar kind of system, you got to be able to complete some passes. And I I would think that Reuter is going to be better for that, at least in the ACC, the AAC, which it's not that much of a jump from the Sun Belt, but it is a jump. So I think it should absolutely worry people about Chandler Rogers and taking a shot there late. Go if you're so, gonna take a, a shot, a, a, go with Jace Reuter. A couple of things. So one, you're saying again, Chandler Rogers is small fish in slightly bigger pond, which is a negative. Yes. Um, for the third time in a row, you can get the theme of the quarterbacks. When in doubt, uh, you know, get the guy that's passing that can throw better than uh his teammate. You know, for me, Reuter is a guy, though, when I did some small research on him, he started school in 2018. He's old. He is an uh, old and he's dude. He's never done anything. So, I mean, it's, so now he's going to do something? I guess it can happen, but it doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, they the coach has nothing invested in either of them, so I think he will just go with the best guy. I'm not sure on this one. I don't think Chandler Rogers costs you much. As you see, it's uh, ADP of 203. I don't know. I I'm gonna slightly go Rogers, but I don't know. I don't. I don't. And I look at this team as a running team. I know you're a big system guy. Their best players are their running backs, I mean, not fair their point. quarterbacks or their wide receivers. So why not just why not just run your good uh, running backs and neither guy would be relevant. So what is uh so we got Zig Zag and Zug. What do we do? We have Noog. Noog ne- is neither. Noog. I'm gonna go Noog. I mean, Nuke fair it. enough. I mean, third third school in a row where I'm kind of bringing this up. Like, there's a good possibility that the North Texas offense is just awful, and you don't really want either one of these guys. Because again, we saw Eric Morris might be a fraud because Eric Morris lit it up in Incarnate Word, and then GJ Kinney came in with the exact same players the next year, except for the the quarterback, and did even better. And then this past year, he goes to Washington State. Their offense is anemic at times. And somehow Cam Ward finishes a QB 38 in fantasy. But even still, like they were just straight up not what we expected them to be. And then now we got Ben Arbuckle coming in. And all the players sound like that things are going to be better this year with Ben Arbuckle as their OC. So it could be that this entire thing just goes down in flames. But I'm just trying to put this out there. For those of you who want to take a shot on Chandler Rogers. I probably would go with Jace Reuter instead. I really think he's going to end up winning that job. So, awesome. Let's go ahead and move on to some running backs here and probably get to some get to a situation where people are a bit more invested than the North Texas quarterback situation. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people skipping that last part. Anyway, let's go to UCLA. Man, this uh, running back room has caused a lot of debate recently because when Carson Steele first transferred there, and I was guilty of it at first, but I kind of came off of him pretty early on. It seemed like, all right, we got our next Zach Charbonnet. They have been bringing in transfer after transfer, making them the guy for their offense. And we thought we were getting the next one here because Carson Steele just absolutely lit it up the Mac. Obviously, you got a, in Mitch's terms, you got a small fish going to a big pond here. I'm going to say like a a, a big-ish pond because, man, those Pac-12 defenses are not much to write home about. 
but even so, like you're like, okay, he'll take a hit, but he can't take that much of a hit, right? Like he like maybe a thousand yards and like you know nine ten touchdowns. That seems pretty good for a UCLA running back right there. But people immediately forgot about the guy who is the zag in this situation, T.J. Harden, who kind of finished out the year with a really strong last couple of games, and especially in the bowl game where. He went 11 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown, averaging over 10 yards per carry in that game throughout the entire season. Harden was absolutely lighting it up whenever he touched the ball, averaging 7.4 yards per carry. He is the guy who has the experience with this offense, earned early playing time as a true freshman. I don't really know what's not to like here. I'm going to absolutely take the zag here and go with TJ Harden at RB66 over... Carson Steele, who's being taken in the, the fifth, sixth round still. He's dropped a little bit. He used to go in like the second, third round. Now he's dropped to like the fifth, sixth. That's still way too early for me. I'm going to take TJ Harden over here in like the round. Let me do my math real quick. Again, you're looking at like the 15th, 16th round. I'll take that every single time. So Mitch, your thoughts here, man? Well, you and I were involved in a TJ Harden trade. Um, and, you know, I'm going to miss TJ Harden. Uh, I like him. 6'2", 210, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. You've given the stats. Carson Steele, again, they were playing JV uh, ball in the MAC. Uh, it's just not the same. Uh, Central Michigan is not Oregon. It's just not. Nope. Uh, we I've seen a lot of small school stars over the past three years, and I didn't take notes on this, but there are a lot of guys that leave and go somewhere else and become irrelevant. I actually think Carson Steele has a 50-60% chance of being irrelevant. Like not being a guy that's on a roster come week 2. That I'm I don't think that's an exaggeration. Uh do all of yourself a favor, talk up Carson Steele and how he was like the nation's leader in rushing and that you still can't believe he's sitting there in the 6th round during your your draft notes and just take TJ Harden later. I got a feeling Harden's going to be a real and I hate using the 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 kitschy term league winner. Um he may be a league winner for some getting him so late. I think you're going to get absolutely great uh production from Harden. So here's my kind of realistic expectation. Like, I think you're right, Mitch. There is a decent chance that Carson Steele is irrelevant here. Because at 247, their beat writers had him listed as the RB3 on their depth chart post-spring. And again, I know we in the CFF community have had a touch-and-go relationship with the UCLA beat writers in the past. And we know for a fact that um, Chip Kelly lies to the media when it comes to these guys. So again, it is a little difficult to kind of project that. And then you have Phil Steele out here listing him as the RB1. But I agree with you, Mitch. Like, if he really is the RB3 on this team, that's going to spell trouble for you absolutely. And I don't think that TJ Harden is probably going to get the Zach Charbonnet treatment. Zach Charbonnet was legitimately great running back. But I think it's absolutely possible he's going to be the lead guy. And I think he is going to continue to earn his role there. I could see a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns out of TJ Harden. Again, that's not Zach Charbonnet numbers, but it is going to be absolutely fantastic for you. And then Carson Steele probably still plays a role, probably similar to like Keegan Jones last year. Do you think it's realistic that Steele could still get 73 carries and like three, 400 yards, Mitch? I think that's perfectly sure. possible. But again, that's nothing you want in a CFF league. Only in the deepest, deepest league is he going to be viable at those numbers. Yeah. No, the only way Carson Steele 
is who Carson Steele is if he gets the rock over and over. If you watch the Ball State games, consistently, stop, stop, big run, stop, stop, big run. He gets the ball a lot. That's not going to be the case at UCLA, even if he is running back one. They, they don't run that type of offense. Again, JV, he's I don't think he's a dynamic runner. I think he's in for a long season. If he starts, if if Steele starts and plays a lot, I expect injury. And I don't wish ill will on a kid. I just don't see him being able to hold up. I just don't. He takes no. a lot of shots. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you 100% that like if Steele runs it twice and he gets stalwarted both times, they're not going to give it to him a third time on that drive. They're going to bring in TJ Harden because TJ Harden is good enough to where like, hey, if Carson's not getting it done, we're going to put Harden out there. Steele's not going not gonna to be that clear-cut guy that they run on every single, single play. So I agree this with you. We're, we're both in agreement. Zag. This is a perfect yeah, zag. I, I, am, I am aiming for TJ Harden later in my leagues. And like you said, Mitch, I traded for him in our dynasty league because if I hit, if he hits this year, I got him for at least two years, and maybe he comes back for a fourth year. That'd be absolutely fantastic. I actually expect this from Harden. We'll just end on this. I expect for him to emerge later this year and be the guy, and I expect him to rip house next year. So, in a dynasty league, I think next year is the league is the year where you sit back and put him in as your RB. Uh, two and just roll tide. Absolutely. All righty, let's discuss our next running back situation here. Going over from the Pac-12 over to the Big Ten. Whew, big one here, the Ohio State running back room. I think I've gotten like like four or five questions this off season from people, and probably even more than that. Just ask me, how are you dealing with this running back room at Ohio State? And I'm so torn on this because I see talented guys all over the field here you got Travion Henderson who's kind of the highest guy here he's the zig you got the zag Mayan Williams but even beyond that you guys got you got guys like Dallin Hayden you got guys like Evan Pryor these are guys that I love and I think I'm oh um Trainium. I would say uh Trayonum uh Chip Trayonum is there as well he's converting back to running back full-time they have the makings of if they want to to go full committee which you hate to see as a CFF player because, man, that Ohio, that number one Ohio State running back has been absolute gold the last couple of years. So if you're going to take a shot on the guy, do you go with Travion Henderson, who has the best recruiting pedigree out of this bunch, was absolutely explosive as a freshman, finishes the RB9 in CFF as a freshman, fully expect him to take off again this last year, but injuries kind of limited him. Or do you go with Mayan Williams, who really kind of put Ohio State on his back at times last year? Quite frankly, it looks like he is the goal line guy. Um, I, I believe he got um, 10 plus touchdowns last year. I think he got 14 or something like that. I should have 14. written that down. Yes, 14 but even, touchdowns last year, Mayan. But even without Henderson's injury, Mayan outperformed Travion. Over the year, in terms of yards per carry, Mayan had 6.4 yards per carry throughout the entire year. Travion had 5.3. So I would say that, like, oh, Travion's a more explosive guy. But, man, Mayan outperformed him even in that last year. You got Henderson going as the RB16 in the, like, middle of the third round, typically. And then you got Mayan Williams going as the RB54, and you're getting him in, like, the 12th round. So Mitch, give us give us a couple of guys who are ADP are uh, running back ranked, being drafted two and three behind them. Who who should you pick instead of Travion? 
instead of Travion, let's see. I got Nicholas Singleton here, who I'm a little all day. Like yeah, I'd, I'd probably take that. Jace McClellan, I will take that all day long. I love Jace McClellan this year, and they're gonna the Alabama's gonna have to run the ball a ton this year because have you seen their quarterback situation? And then um, I'm gonna skip over Roman Hemby. He's going off at RB nine, but man, Rodney Hammett at RB twenty. That dude Here's is gonna absolutely light it up right there. I take both. I take Singleton. I take Jace McClellan. I take Rodney. Hammond and CJ Donaldson all over Travion because there's just yeah. so much risk with Travion right now. Yeah, I um I'm gonna throw one other little uh 2000 or you know 2023 football idea at you. I don't think Travion wants 200 carries because I think he knows he's going to test well. He's going to be drafted in the second round of the NFL, and they're gonna say. And man, he was in that great committee with Mayan Williams and Hayden yep. and uh, Henderson and our um, uh, Chip. And I don't think he wants the mileage. Now, of course, the kid wants to play football. And of if course. given the rock, he's going to run it. But I have a feeling his handlers, I think they're whispering, hey, take your carries, do well, win the games, test well, and move on. I just – you. Drafting him that high is drafting him for what he was and not what he is. And to your point on that, Mitch, going to kind of the NFL draft angle, a guy that does need the carries, that does need to kind of get in front of scouts' eyes a little bit more, kind of make him pop off the screen a little bit more, is Mike Williams. Again, right mm-hmm. now, again, you have you have his fans out there, obviously, but like in terms of the whole of the Twitter sphere, of the kind of NFL draft sphere and everything, people aren't talking about Mayan Williams nearly as much. So maybe they do kind of give him the rock a little bit more in order to try to give him his opportunity this year to kind of boost up that draft stock compared to Travion. Because again, NFL draft scouts have pretty much already have their mind made up for the most part about Henderson. They yes. think he's a day two guy at the latest. He's going to do just enough to show this year that he is still that guy. He's probably going to break off some really big runs. We're all going to love him from that. He's going to have some really big weeks. But in terms of the consistent guy week over week, it might be Mayan Williams. All day long, this is another good zag. Uh, you get the guy five, six rounds later, who is the touchdown guy as well. I mean, you throw that in there as like an oh, by the way, stat. So so many of our leagues are are touchdown dependent. Yes, sir. So, it, I mean, and while neither of these guys are going to catch the ball much in PPR, you definitely want the guy that's scoring the touchdowns. This is, again, this is more name recognition of a guy who we all thought was going to dominate and didn't uh, save your money and zag. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at, um, I, you, you had me asking about the, um, the, the receptions for the running backs last year in total. I am counting up five receptions for Mayan Williams and four for Travion. So yeah, neither one of these guys are going to be your PPR no, so, monsters. So you want the de- TD dependent guy. Yeah, if, absolutely. if one of those guys were to, you know, catch 25 passes, well, it, it may change our dynamic. They don't, and they won't with the new quarterback either. So now nah, this, this is another really, really strong zag. All righty. Let's keep it going here. Let's go to the G5. Let's get blue over here, Mitch. Let's talk about the Boise State running back room. This is one of the more interesting ones because there is not a huge ADP difference between these two guys. Both these guys kind of go off in the middle of your drafts. George Halani, here here is the zig. His ADP is 107.1. So you're talking about the kind of eighth round. Actually, no, I'm doing my math. Yeah, like not like 
end of the eighth, beginning of the ninth round there. He's the RB38. And then you have Ashton GNT, one of our favorite freshmen from last year as the Zag here. His ADP kind of puts him right around the um, 11th, like tail end of the 11th round here. He's the RB46. These guys are super close together. So Mitch, I'm going to go Zoop here. Yeah, zigzag. Oh, I'm going no, zoo. Don't do it. Say it ain't so. Here, in a let me best ball, in a best ball league, it is a must. If you're going after Halani, no. you need to go after Hel- Ashton G. Don't believe him, everybody. They don't are do going it. to run, dude. That that offense no. is going to run the ball so freaking much. Taylor Green is not a passing quarterback whatsoever. He's a rush. He's a running guy. Regardless. They're, none of their receivers are inspiring. You got Lachelle Caples and Stefan Cobbs, and half of you are asking me who. They are going to run the ball down people's throats, and in the Mountain West, they can. They got two great. Or they got or again, okay. They have one guy who's been super productive the last couple of years, and they got Ashton Gianti, who I think is legitimately the best running back in the Mountain West and all of the G five potentially. You are going you you. It would be malpractice not to run the ball down people's throats. I do right, curse the name of George why, Halani. Why, let me let me convince you why this is only a zag and not a a zoo. Okay, first, I, I'm a big believer in Boise State's running backs. I've been a fan of them for you know decades. I watched Ian Johnson score his touchdown and get on one knee and uh and propose to his wife and you know I had tears in my eyes. That was back when you know it was really really special to me, but. Holani just isn't that good. His um, I've watched him and my eyes don't lie. Um, he gets very good blocking. They've had a decent offense and he's been a focal point of it. And when I watch Genty, on the other hand, it just makes me jump. He's better. His bio last year in the recruiting was strong. He was drafted in the dynasty leagues pretty early. I think we all kind of saw that he he's a little more special. Uh, in the Broncos last game, he went for a buck 78 and a touchdown while Halani got 24 yards. Mm-hmm. The reason that I believe this is a zag instead of, uh, you know, picking them both is I actually think now Boise knows that Ashton is just better. And I think they're going to have to lean on him to be better because green is, uh, not a complete player yet. And because he's more of a runner, I think you have to put in the best guy a little more often. If they had a quarterback that could throw and run, I think having Holani in the game doesn't hurt you as much. But only having a quarterback whose skill is running, I think you got to have the best guy in there. So while I don't wholeheartedly disagree that Holani has value, uh, I think the true fantasy value is to zag. So... Mitch, you have described completely what I want to happen. My problem is I don't think what I want to happen and what is going to happen is going to necessarily line up. This coaching staff, for some reason, is just so committed to Halani as their guy. If they really thought that GNT was their guy of the future and that he would be their their main guy this next year they're going to rely on, why did they convince Halani to come back? Oh, I don't think you have to convince a kid like that to stay in school. He has no NFL opportunity. He's not going to be. He's he not. Had, he, he had an 1100 yard and 10 touchdown season last year. Again, like I'm NFL not going to pretend like he's going to go off in no, the third round or anything like he's that. Not an NFL back. I mean, he's a guy that will uh, get invited to camps. He's not going to make a living playing professional football. 
He's not. And I mean, he's, uh, he's older. He stayed. Uh, I, I mean, he went through COVID. I think this is his fifth year. This will be his fifth year in statting, I believe. Uh, so no, I mean, he loves Boise state. He loves his team. Why not? He's a leader. He's just not as good and they're going to need someone good. So that's, I, I just, again, in this one, I can see where he's going to have value because they're not going to disrespect him and not play him. I just don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a 70, 30, uh, GNT split. Well, again, if I am going to tell people to draft one guy, yeah, I'm going to take GNT. Again, everything is everything is there for him to just absolutely blow up the season. But do you know how, again, it, I curse Holani's name because do you know how highly I would be willing to draft GNT this year if, if Holani wasn't there? Holy crap, dude. I would be banging the drum for GNT like you would not believe. The problem is like sometimes you just run into these coaching staffs where even though you know the guy behind the number one guy is better, they just for some reason commit to that first number one guy. Uh, and so I'm well, afraid it's going to happen again. Class. No, yeah. I, I mean, you got to like that out of your coach. I oh, mean, yeah. as just a fan, sure. You, you reward leadership. You just don't have to like it if you play fantasy football. Oh, if yeah. you're a fan of the team, you're you're shouting right now if you're a Boise uh a Boise alum or whatever that we have class and CU doesn't. So no, I get it. Uh, again, I think Holani is a better running back. If Bachmeyer is the quarterback, I think Genty is the better pair for, um, uh, tailing green. Yeah. And it showed it during the bowl game. So, I mean, I know it's just one game. I know it. And I can get burned on that too. I put a lot of emphasis on bowl games sometimes and I lose, but look up the stats, man. Genty smoked him in the bowl game. Well, we, we haven't even Watch brought it. up the spring game. Like you want me to read what, what Genty did in the spring game? Yeah, Because Holani wasn't I, there. I, 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 I have no clue what he's going to gonna write or going to say here. So we'll see if I'm right again. Mitch, but he had, is better. Mitch, he had five touches. He had two carries. One okay. carry was a 62-yard touchdown. The second Decent. carry was a 20-yard touchdown. He caught okay. three passes. One of the passes was a 75-yard touchdown. Uh, decent, if you like winning. GNT, Fellas, dude, I mean, GNT, look, he's, just, we, he's just amazing. Look, give Holani a hug for being around for so long. Give him the captain. Put a C on his shirt. Hand the ball to Genty. And that's what they're going to do. So I would this hope is, so. I, I know that, you, I, hey, Holani may have value. Zag, brothers. Zag. If you have to pick only one of these guys, go after GNT. And yes. you're, you're going you're gonna to be happy. I feel right. like I've convinced you. We can move on. Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's go talk about some wide receiver situations here. Let's go to the okay. Washington wide receiver room. Another one that's kind of interesting because both of these guys are going very highly. So yes. we got Roma Dunze is a zig because he's coming off first. He's a wide receiver three right at the tail end of the first round typically. And then Jalen McMillan, middle of the second round, wide receiver six. My, I'm sagging here. I'm going with Jalen McMillan. And my reasoning is very simple here. If you're going to draft a wide receiver in the first round, I think Roma Dunze is a good pick. My problem is that typically, if I'm going to draft a receiver in the first round, Egbuka, Emeka Egbuka is also there. And I'm going to take him over Roma Dunze pretty much every time. I just kind of trust the Ohio State receiving situation just a little bit better. I believe they can feed two wide receivers a bit more consistently versus Washington. I am a little bit worried about guys like Jalen Polk and um, even Jeremy Bernard, the transfer from Michigan State. Those guys just kind of coming in and just kind of whacking things out for a game or two to where 
man, Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunes, they can have some bad weeks. They'll have great weeks otherwise. But I'm going to go with the Ohio State receiver. And then if I want a piece of the Washington offense, I'll take the guy at a discount in the second round. And I think I just did that in one of my leagues recently where I took him back in the first round and then I took McMillan when it came back to me in the second round. I feel super happy with that. I feel yeah, much I think better you posted about that. that. You posted that. And again, I reminded some of my friends what I feel is the best draft strategy of the year, which is to go wide receiver, wide receiver. I've watched you do it in many drafts and I felt that you've uh, done really well with your, with your drafting. Look, this ain't a classic zag because both the guys are solid picks, but again, sometimes we remember things that just aren't quite crystal clear. We remember the highlights of uh, Rome And we kind of don't remember how the season ended up. He had one strong game after October 15th, and McMillan had four. Look, they got the same quarterback. We got the same offense. The running backs, again, are going to be moderately irrelevant, although Dylan Johnson will probably catch a few more balls out of the backfield. But look, production shows me McMillan's better. Also, the eyeball test. And man, if you haven't really watched McMillan because those games come on late at night, uh, go to his YouTube. Manny looks like an NFL wide receiver. He snatches the ball with his hands. He's very good fending off with his left hand and going up with that right, right at the end. He is, man, he does a lot of things that NFL wide receivers do. And he's already out producing. And he's younger. Like this is a zag, dude. And I'm not saying, again, uh, draft him in the first round. Draft him in the second when he's going. You don't have to overreach for the guy, but draft him. And just let O'Dunes go. Don't do it. Like he said, pick Egg Buka and then McMillan in the second round. If you do that, that's going to be an award-winning draft. Yeah, it's just my question would be, like, eventually, like, again, maybe I take a Mecca in the first round, but there's a possibility I could come back to me and then I have both O'Dunes and McMillan there on the board. And it, that that is a much harder choice to me when it gets to that point. Um, the only thing I would say, in addition to McMillan and Adunze, is that Adunze does have kind of the advantage slightly in the targets per game aspect. You have him about half a, half a target more per game than McMillan. Both of these guys, I think, are going to smash this year. I think if you want a more consistent... In redraft, I'm going McMillan. In best ball, probably going to take Roma Adunze, because I think Adunze has potential to have bigger monster games than McMillan, but McMillan is gonna probably gonna have more of those just great games that you feel good about on a week by week basis. Does that make sense? A discounted version, how I seem is how I saw Marvin Harrison Jr. last year. Uh, everybody was going JSN, and you should big deal. I liked Harrison because I like how he he's so good, mm-hmm. and while the game plan and script is really good for the JSN position of Ohio state. I just knew Marvin Harrison was going to do well because just is so good. And again, I'm not saying McMillan is as good as Marvin Harrison jr. But I'm also saying that uh, nickel bet says he's first round draft pick. I would say this. I think he's a first round draft pick. He's just good and good people on good offenses score. So I'm going, Oh, what's the word? Zug. We're going Zug. I'll take both of these guys. I just think McMillan is a better player. Uh, I think it's Zoop. Um, uh, All right. Rhymes with Soup. Um, But yeah, no. I think it's it's funny you brought up McMillan being an NFL draft pick. I know several guys who are big on Roma Dunze being a first-round draft pick next year. So we're going to see who's right. I think that'll be an interesting dynamic over the next couple of 
months. Let's move on to our second wide receiver situation here. Let's go talk about the Georgia Southern Eagles. You got our zig here. Derwin Burgess, ADP of 42, wide receiver 17. So you're looking at about the mid-third round, typically right there. And maybe even into the fourth round, I've seen him go. And then Caleb Hood, wide receiver. I, I, I I'm, was about to say wide receiver out of Georgia Southern. But ADP of 86.4, wide receiver 33. So you're looking at a guy who's typically going in round like round eight-ish. So you got about like four or five rounds of difference of value in here. And I think these guys are getting closer. The reason why I think Caleb Hood is at a discount compared to Derwin Burgess was because of two things. One, we all forgot, we all didn't realize he was coming back. I think there was a lot of people who legitimately thought, including myself, that he was not coming back. Like he was out of eligibility. It was not, it was like, if you picked him, you're picking a guy who's already gone. Well, guess what? He is back. And the other part of it is that Burgess was a touchdown machine last year. He was kind of playing that position that Vantrese was finding him in the end zone more often than Caleb Hood. Caleb Hood, 87 receptions, 925 yards. You like that stat. Problem is, he only had three touchdowns in the whole year. So the question with these two guys is, do you believe that Burgess is once again going to be the touchdown monster. In which case, if you are right, yeah, he's absolutely going to be the guy that's worth it there in the third, um, the third and a half round. But if you want the guy who got 30-plus more receptions last year and 200 more yards, and you're just kind of hoping those touchdowns equalize out a little bit, hell yeah, you're going to go after Caleb Hood four or five rounds later. And I think that is what's probably going to happen. You got a new quarterback in the system. You are probably going to have some different chemistry. Bryn looked really good with both Hood and Burgess. I think both of these guys are going to smash this year. But I found myself drafting a lot more of Hood recently, just kind of taking that discount. Because I think it's very possible both of these guys kind of end up like a Dunze McMillan did last year, where they finish right next to each other in the rankings. So Mitch, your thoughts here, man. Yeah, so we'll zoop on this. Uh, If I had to zig or zag, I'd zag on Hood, uh, like I've said. But we'll zoop. Uh, Let me just share with you my thoughts on why Hood is every bit as good as Burgess. First, in a PPR league, uh, Hood scored more. So, again, we often forget to just look at the numbers. Uh, Burgess had the touchdowns, but Hood beat him anyway. I mean, it wasn't by much, but it was – I mean, won. So, like, why is he going 44 uh, picks later – when did he get passed in the pecking order? I don't think he did. Let me give you a, a wild one. What if Hood's touchdowns flip-flop and he gets Burgess's touchdowns and all of his touches? Now you have likely a wide, re- a high-end wide receiver or a low-end wide receiver too that you drafted in the 10th round. I mean, yeah. that's gold. So yeah, I mean... Both of these guys are good enough to be on your fantasy team. If you're choosing one just because that's your strategy of not uh, doubling up or stacking a team, I'm, I'm going to go hood. But this stack is not a bad stack. Yeah, I, I would say I just recently in the Eliminator that both you and I are in, Mitch, I did end up drafting both of these guys. One, because the wide receiver situation was just getting bad very quickly in that league. But good job to the people in that league. Y'all did a good job finding the wide receiver value very early on. So I had to take both of these guys because I legitimately thought they were both the best wide receivers still left on the board. And I feel pretty good about it. I think both of these you guys should. are going to smash. If Bryn is the quarterback we think he'll be in that Georgia Southern system, which if Van Treese, if Kyle Van Treese can be as successful as he was last year and produce with Hood and Burgess, I think Bryn is going to be just fine because Bryn's a much better passer than Van Treese really was. So 
Let's go ahead and move on to our last wide receiver situation here. We're going to go deep with this one. You guys like it when we go deep. I kind of like how we've gone a little bit deeper on the third one with all three of these positions here. Let's go talk about the Rice wide receiver situation. And for those of you who aren't really in the drafts and everything, you're sitting there like, why are we talking about the Rice Owls, man? That feels like a terrible place to start. Rice really funneled their targets to two guys last year. It was Luke McCaffrey, the transfer from Nebraska, and Bradley Rosner, who is now in his eighth year of eligibility over there at the Rice Owls. And he, they he did... went to he, he went to school with uh what was our guy our uh uh North Texas quarterback back in, they went to junior high together yeah they're both old yeah you're oh right oh my god I didn't even re- are you are you just saying that or is that like an no no thing? I am just kidding they okay I was about to like say I'm like, around, like, they've both been around really forever. funny if it, yeah that'd be yeah, really funny yeah. if that was true but Rosner finished last year as the wide receiver forty McCaffrey uh, was the wide receiver sixty one. Um, but McCaffrey's kind of going ahead here. He's wide receiver 42, ADP of 109.5. So you're looking about like the ninth round there. Rosner's going off way later. I can get this guy towards the tail end of a 30th round draft. But again, Rosner finished ahead of him. So what's kind of going on here? I think mostly it is the target consistency with McCaffrey. McCaffrey had nine games of eight plus targets last year while Rosner had far less than that it's just Rosner was able to do a little bit more with the targets that he was given both of these guys are getting an upgrade you would think at quarterback this situation with JT Daniels coming in to replace TJ McManon Daniels hasn't been great the last couple of years but I think big fish going down to a really small pond in the AAC should be a recipe for success right there. I think both of these guys will produce for CFF because, again, we saw them funnel all the targets towards these two guys last year. But it makes too much sense for me not to take on Rosner way later in a draft when McCaffrey is a guy that was just way less consistent last year. So, Mitch, your thoughts on these two guys? Yeah, so again, for um, I, I, uh, I have McCaffrey in our Dynasty League. I traded for him. I think he'll uh, be a solid bench wide receiver for me going in in games. They do give him the ball a lot. I think most mostly just because he's an all-around good athlete. But with that, he seems to have a little more Ferrari in him than I want uh, maybe a Ford Bronco. He gets banged up a lot. He actually misses a lot of times during the games. Uh, he will go out in the second quarter hang out to halftime, come back in the middle of the third quarter, and then do well at the end of the game again. What's interesting, again, we just don't look at points often enough. Not much has changed in their wide receiver dynamic of their room, and Rosner outperformed McCaffrey last year, and mm-hmm. nobody cares. We're just still drafting McCaffrey. Uh, from I think I wrote down from in November and December, uh, Rosner actually outperformed him by 40 points last year. So I think Rosner plays tougher. I've watched those Rice games, and again, I think when McCaffrey gets hit, he doesn't really necessarily like it. So uh, go with a little tougher guy here. Again, uh, Rosner's not going to win you the league, but he's not going to lose it for you. Drafting McCaffrey, and you could probably rattle off a few wide receivers that are around Luke that are much more stable uh, in their four quarters of production. I just don't think you're getting a lot of value at McCaffrey at wide receiver 42 and at wide receiver 100 or whatever. I think you're getting great value with Rosner. 
Let me name off a couple of guys for you here. You got two Texas A&M guys, Evan Stewart and Aeneas Smith, wide receiver 37-38 going ahead of or uh, going right ahead of him. Terrell Vaughn, Utah State is a guy that I like a lot. I'd much rather have him than Luke McCaffrey. Going after him, Jaron Bradley, wide receiver 43. Uh, you got Justin Lockhart, who I adore, going off as wide receiver 45. You got J. Michael Sturdivant at UCLA, who's been getting some positive press recently. Dante like Cephas him. at Penn State. I think I take a lot of those guys, even if, again, obviously Luke McCaffrey's kind of proven it. He can be a productive guy over at Rice. They're going to target him a ton. But I take the upside of a guy like J. Michael Sturdivant or Dante Cephas probably before I take on Luke McCaffrey, especially if I know I can grab Rosner later on. The thing about McCaffrey, I think this is a selling point for a lot of people, is that, again, he was the target and the reception monster for this team last year. If he gets an upgraded quarterback, maybe a bit better utilization, he can improve on the 125 yards per reception that he got last year the problem is rosner just blew him out of the water when it came to that because rosner was averaging 19.9 yards per reception now the argument people can make is that that's not sustainable and that's a very fair point but at the same time i think rosner has earned more receptions than what he got last year especially with again esdale who is the third wide receiver option here got two less receptions than Rosner, but 300 less yards, I think they're probably going to take away the targets from him a little bit more and kind of feed it more to Rosner. And then if you're somebody who's drafting Derwin Burgess as highly as you are because of the touchdowns he got last year, how are you not going after Bradley Rosner as well? If you truly believe he's going to keep on those touchdowns, he had four more touchdowns than Luke McCaffrey did last year. So when I it, was going to mention it to makes too much sense. Up. This feels a lot like the Caleb Hood argument that we just had earlier. Uh, so we, we've we argued both sides of this, and I think you got to sometimes look at the player. But I, I like Rosner late, and I will likely draft him in our current league. I would say I, I will I will probably try to beat you on him then because uh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be racing for him, Mitch. All right, let's That's finish it. this. Let's finish this up with a tight end discussion here. Luke Lachey and Eric All, what to do with the tight end situation over at Iowa? Part of me wants to just say Zoop because, you know, it's Iowa. They have shown they can produce two tight ends in the past, especially in the best ball league. I have actively tried to grab both of these guys because I do think that at year's end, they're both going to be great, but it might be a guessing game week to week of which one's going to go off each week, or they could both go off on any given week, especially if McNamara is that upgraded quarterback that Iowa has been needing the last couple of years. But even still, you got Luke Lachey. He's your zig here, ADP of 124. Um, so like beginning of the 10th round, or 10th, 11th round there, tight end 10 off the board. Eric All going off a little bit later, ADP of 165.8. So you're looking at roughly, you know, your 14th, 15th round there. He's a tight end 15. I have Luke Lachey as high as my tight end five, and I've seen him come off the board as high as tight end five in some leagues. So very clearly there can be a difference of, value for both of these guys right here mitch are you zigging or zagging you going with luke Lachey, the guy who is you know the program veteran he showed out near the end of last year looks like he was the next guy up after laporta or do you go with the guy who is buddy buddy with the transfer quarterback coming in here to iowa i'm zigging on this one uh, I like Lachey. I mean, all all's a big guy. Um, does have a relationship, but no, I I see Lachey is a um 
is the next in line type of guy. And to tell you the truth, just because you're friends with the quarterback doesn't make you friends with the coach. So uh, why would uh, I would have to really be convinced on why all would jump Lachey um, to tell you the truth, most tight ends in practice or what have you, they, they don't, that's not typically a position that shines. So I don't, I'm not sure how all will surpass Lachey on the depth chart. And if he doesn't go out there first, I don't know. I I see Lachey as being the clear guy here. Well, I'll tell you why, Mitch, because Iowa lives in 12 personnel. They're constantly running two tight ends out there. He doesn't need to surpass Lachey to get onto the field. What happens after the snap is if you're in the all camp, that's where you think you're going to make your money. Because when when they snap the ball... Okay, look. Okay, well, let's just stop right here. There are very few offenses that are going to carry two tight end production to where you would start those tight ends. And Iowa is one of them is I would argue. Okay. I just picking a backup, picking tight end two on the best tight. Well, this is a ball state. So we got hunt and cozy all. Okay. I guess Eric all is going to be as good as cozy all, I guess. Well, you're not, you're, you're, if you're picking all just all, you're picking him as you think that he will overtake Lachey because of his connection with McNamara. Yeah, and I just don't. I that's not going to happen. All right. Well, we I see that happen. We saw gonna... it happen just this last year. Obviously, a little bit different situation with with it being a wide receiver and quarterback and quarterback. But Charlie Jones at Purdue. Oh no, no. That whole the deal wide was... receiver relationship. I believe in that one a big time. The tight end one, I don't know. I just. But I at think Iowa, that... the tight ends basically replace the wide receivers. Is what my point is here. I guess. Okay. Well, I'm going to zig on this. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty firm on Lachey. I haven't selected tight ends in that range during our uh, drafts that I've been in. So I don't have Lachey only because I haven't drafted tight ends in the rounds that he normally goes. And Eric all to me is just a guy that you pick just to be mean to the guy that picked Lachey. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully aware of that because that just happened to me in a league here because I, I have been trying to grab both of these guys. And Mitch, as argumentative as I have been here, but mostly been playing devil's advocate here. I love Lachey. Again, I have him as my tight end five for a reason. I have Eric all just down a little bit lower than that. I think I've, I have Eric all outside my top 10 because I'm pretty sure that Lachey's talent will win out there. I agree. But so, so if you're going to pick one we... of these guys, I'm going to go with Luke Lachey. Okay. Do not draft Eric All unless you have Lachey on your team, is my point. Because right. Eric All becomes a safety blanket in case something happens there. Cool. Well, I can agree with that then. We'll, we'll go with that. All righty. And with that, we have gone through all of our teams, man. Like, I love having you on the show, Mitch, because it feels like these are like some of the fastest shows I ever do. Because I look down, we go through all of our stuff, and I'm like, holy crap, we're already an hour and 10 minutes, man. So absolutely fantastic job, Mitch. You are awesome as always. Let's bring it on back over here to the main page here. Mitch, um, you don't you don't have your own CFF content out there and everything, but you are on Twitter. You're at Aceholes Rule. So y'all go over and follow Mitch over there, guys. Like he is an awesome, awesome guy. Um, he'll he'll argue with you, but it'll be in good nature. He is a guy that loves to kind of poke kind of poke at arguments. He loves to kind of figure out why people think the way that they think. He is very open. Most of the time, unless you're talking about Cave Club, Nick, um, to, <laughs> to to player analysis and, we can't, and everything. I can't believe how high he's going, but that's for another show. <laughs> that's another show right there. But Mitch, anything else you want to put out there for people and everything? Again, you're 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 a pretty fun guy. 
No, look, uh, some a bit of it, a bit of advice. I'm sure this will be uh, the last time uh, I'm on before draft time for most people. Look, get the information that's out there for you. They're great people. Uh, Bainbridge, all of the guys at uh, Campus to Canton, look them up individually. They all have unique opinions. If you go to Campus to Canton, if you haven't been, one of the most unique parts that I enjoy is I like looking at the rankings and then I click on all the guys. And it shows the individuals and their rankings. And it makes me say, hey, I like that Moxley guy. And then I can go to Moxley's page and learn something from him. But my my bit of advice for you guys is this. Don't stray much from the list to your own list. Look, college fantasy football isn't what it was uh, five or 10 and certainly not 18 years ago when I won. People like Jared uh, are putting out a lot of content to educate the masses. With that, use that to your advantage. Know when Luke McCaffrey is going to be selected and know that I can do this because I expect this to get this in the return. And again, everybody thinks that they're the best drafter, but I really do feel like using strategies like I do. And if you DM me, I will send you some strategies on where you select to what to expect. And I will just give you an example Jared and I were in a draft with John Lobb while I was traveling uh, about 10 days ago. I queued up my players and I got every single person for 11 rounds. Every person. I knew exactly who I was going to get and I had a list of three. So I had three people for every round and I got every single person. Because I know who people are going to do and I can build from that strategy. And my last part, listen to Jared. He didn't pump it up enough. Please go wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back, quarterback, quarterback in redraft leagues. When you do your projections, you will be projected better. That is the best strategy of the year. So that's it. for me. I didn't pump it up enough, Mitch, because I, in the... Um, in the live stream drafts and everything, I basically pump it up the, the first couple of rounds there in pretty much yep. every single no, one of them because I've the like strategy. I have adored that strategy so far this year. Speaking of which, we will not have one of those. Um, actually, by the time you're listening to this, you, you're already going to know we did not have one this past weekend, but. On June 25th, we will be having one. Currently working on a guest right there. Could have some pretty fun, uh, could have a pretty fun guest there that weekend. But if you are interested in that, reach out to me on Twitter at CFF underscore Jared. A couple more pieces of homework here. I got to get off my chest here because, quite frankly, I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show. But first of all, in terms of my work and everything going on here, Guys, CFF Guide, right around the corner, two weeks from now, basically. July 1st, pre-order now at campusacanton.com. Only 20 bucks, I repeat, 20 bucks for profiles on all 133 teams. We got profiles for 48 QBs, 60 running backs, 72 wide receivers, and 36 tight ends. We're going even deeper than we did last year, and the rankings are going to go even further than that, so absolutely kind of take a look out for that. We'll have stuff on analytics, kind of talking about which teams might produce the best rushing games, which ones are producing at the best pass rate, things like that, and some ADP analysis for you guys. So you will have a very good look at what your drafts are likely to look look like by the time they come in the fall. So absolutely go check that out. Only 20 bucks, I repeat, only 20 bucks. An absolute steal for anybody who gets it. And then the last thing I'm going to point out here 
is we here at Campus to Canton have a promo code going on with Home Field Discount. You put in the promo code Campus to Canton. They have a ton of awesome vintage college gear over there. Basically, if you are a fan of your team and you've been around for a while, they have pretty much as many different designs from over the years as they can placed onto shirts. I have been looking at the Georgia section recently, and I'm thinking about getting one of the vintage Georgia shirts as well. That promo code will get you 15% off all of your gear, so help us out with that. Mitch, again, you have been absolutely awesome, dude. I love having you on the show. Again, you bring excellent analysis. You bring a great different point of view than a lot of us here in the industry. So it's a pleasure to have you on, man. Thanks a lot for having me, man. It was super fun. All right. And for those of you out there, really appreciate you for listening. And we'll see you guys next week. For now, have a wonderful and blessed week. See you.